We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Hey, it's hour number two on a Tuesday here on Home and Home Radio.com. Sports Original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com. Slash enter ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. The Tampa Rays are in the middle of a pennant chase, and you wouldn't know it by the pathetic crowds in Tampa. Should they even have an organization? We will ask Kevin Malaw from MLB Network, the host of Intentional Talk, in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll also get into some of the other playoff races. And is baseball boring to watch? How does Kevin respond to a young White Sox star? Uh, we will also talk the other side of that Monday night game with the Chicago side. 670, the score weighs in on that defense and Mitch Trubisky. But we start with the power of Tom Brady. Tom Brady, on Thursday night football, decided to wade into the referee mess that had become the NFL through two weeks. And Tom Brady may have just changed everything with two very simple very quick tweets. At first, at 9 o'clock, during that Tennessee-Jacksonville game, Brady tweeted, too many penalties, just let us play. Nine minutes later, adding, I'm turning off this game. I can't watch these ridiculous penalties anymore. Through two weeks, they had been up 66% when it comes to offensive holding, leading the league to be up 16% in penalties overall. And before we get to Brady's reaction to all this, let's bring in Ross Tucker from Pennsylvania. Ross, you suggested that immediately Tom Brady may have changed the decision-making on the NFL field because the penalties suddenly stopped in that game. And the weekend, they slowed dramatically, in particular slowed, with offensive holding. Is Tom Brady too powerful? Huh. Well, I don't know that Tom Brady did it single-handedly, but I do think he was the tipping point, Dave, and I'm not joking. We talked about this a little bit on Friday. The first half of the Jags-Titans game last Thursday night was almost unwatchable. Now, some of the penalties are legitimate penalties that they need to throw the flag on. I mean, you have to call that. But there were several questionable holding penalties that they threw the flag on, which made it a brutal, brutal watch for everybody involved. At one point, I think it was early in the second quarter, Dave, they had thrown the flag for seven holding penalties, seven, at least two or three of which I thought should not have been called. And it was rough. And we were all complaining about it on Twitter. And then Tom Brady complained about it on Twitter. And that just sent it to a whole new level, which was unbelievable. Then there was a fury about it. You know, Brady is up there with like, and not to get political here, Dave, 
But Brady is up there with Trump in the sense that anytime he tweets or talks, it has an impact. It, it's significant. I have friends in finance that got on Twitter and followed Donald Trump just because his comments affect their markets. They may or may not care for Trump. They may or may not give a hoot about politics. But Donald Trump's tweets affect their business. So not only do they follow him, they get alerts because they need to be on top of it because he says something that can affect the markets and they need to be first. Tom Brady has that power with his words and his social media. I think the NFL probably already was realizing that the holding penalties were out of whack, but for their best player and the marquee player in the sport to tweet that, I think it took it to a whole other level. There was not a single penalty called in the third quarter of that game. That That's, what are the odds of that? And then we have it documented. We know for a fact, Dave Briggs, that there was a conference call between Alberto Riveron and all of the officials on Saturday night and that the holding penalties went down dramatically, like a, a, a fraction of the percentage of what they had been in weeks one and two. Pretty clearly, we all, and especially Tom Brady, spoke and the NFL listened. First off, bravo. Bravo with the Trump analogy for a guy who does not read the newspaper, does not watch cable news. That was a brilliant analogy. And here's why I can tell you that it was. JP Morgan has created what they call the Volfefe Index. It actually measures the impact on the markets of your average Trump tweet aimed at business. They measure it. There is a measurable impact on the markets and JP Morgan has labeled it the Volfefe after his famous Kofefe tweet. So Ross Tucker stuck the landing. Secondly, the numbers on the penalties, you are right about that as well. I hate to pat you on the back here, man. 5.7 per game offensive holding penalties per game through the first two weeks. Now this number was before the Monday night game, which was, I think, pretty clean. 2.9 penalties per game on offensive holding. So down almost three flags on offensive holding per game, the power of Tom Brady on display. He talked about that uh, with our friends the Greg Hill Show on WEEI. Here's what he said. On Twitter, and what got into you commenting on the, uh, on the officiating? <laughs> I was not commenting on the officiating. <laughs> this, is, this is completely, you're totally misrepresenting what I wrote, and I didn't. <laughs> I was talking about the penalties. Okay, so, so the players, they, you were talking about the, uh, the, 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 the penalties were out of line. I'm a fan of football, <laughs> yeah. and it's just, again, you know, I like well-played games, and, you know, that's, it's, 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 it's just, uh, a, uh, you know, I love football. I love watching football, and, uh, you know, I didn't love watching football Thursday night. Are you? So I turned it off. Okay, that is about as honest as you get with Tom Brady. And applaud Tom Brady for that effort. He easily no, could have been criticized. No, uh, oh, no. I, oh I, I absolutely applaud him for tweeting no. and for saying that. Why not? 
Oh, no, no, no. I applaud him for tweeting. He wasn't being honest, though, right there when he said it wasn't about the officiating. Well, he said, he said it wasn't I'm, about the I wasn't officiating. Enjoying, I wasn't enjoying watching football that night. I, I No, let, let me just explain what I think he's saying. Uh, is, I don't think he's saying the officiating is bad. It's an emphasis. It was clearly an emphasis. The league decided to call that. I, I don't think you sat there and said those holding calls were bad, per se. There have been some bad roughing the passer. Don't kid yourself. Tom Brady doesn't want that to stop. He wants the rough in the passer calls to still come even when they're too close. That was an emphasis, not saying that they're bad calls. He wasn't enjoying watching football with that many flags. Uh, I understand that. But then he's asked about it, and it was obviously about the officials because he said one of the tweets said, just let us play. <laughs> just let us play. And then he's asked, he's like, no, it wasn't about the officiating. Well, then what was it about if you say just let us play? It was now, about the league. Otherwise, it was about the league. It was about the emphasis. I, I'm splitting hairs, as is Tom Brady, and I think splitting hairs quite well on this one. Okay, all right. I, 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 I will give you that. He's talking about the league letting them, telling, instructing them to call more holding penalties and yeah. not the officiating. Okay, I'll give him credit for that. All right. I will say this though. It must be, and I guess you and I are like this on some level, Dave, but you can really hear, you can hear him think as he talks. You know, he's so measured and knowing how many times people are going to hear everything he says. I got to be honest with you, that that's not, that, that can't be fun. And I guess you and I do it on some level too, because we have to be somewhat measured in what we say uh, to not offend certain groups or whatever, uh, whatever they, but we can be strong with our opinions. We can say what we really think. He really, in most situations, can't even do that. I just, it cannot be fun to have to live your whole life like that. It must be oh. so nice when he gets back home and can say to Giselle, and Antonio back in his house. <laughs> it Just that be, image, man. I can't unsee that now. It must be so nice when Tom hey, gets me. home and he, when Tom gets home and he can say, Giselle, Antonio, I had a hell of a day. <laughs> and A B says, Ah, take a load off. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was so funny. When uh, when he tweeted that stuff Thursday night, I saw a yeah. great tweet. Somebody said, uh, Antonio took Brady's, Tom's phone as he walked away to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like <laughs> like they they pictured Antonio and Brady there watching, watching the game together. Antonio grabbing Brady's phone because he loves social media and tweeting about the officiating from Brady's phone. But he couldn't do that because Antonio was too busy. Um, text messaging alleged victim number two and enrolling at Central Michigan at the same time. He, I mean, Antonio Brown, I'll give him credit. He had a busy week last week. I mean, he found time to enroll in online courses for Central Michigan and yeah. find pictures of the children of his second alleged victim so he could threaten an intimidator. That's a, that's a busy week. That's a heck of a week. He's a multitasker. 
He's a multitasker. I just hope AB didn't say I to Tom see, Brady, here, I I'm sorry. here stream Dave, some Dave. religious service on your iPad and go sit on the couch in front of me. Because if he said oh. that. Oh. If he said oh. that. There's no recovering so, from that. So, but, Dave, yeah. I have a I have a to-do list, like a yellow yeah. legal pad to-do list that I'm showing you right now that you can't really see because of the light. But I have a yellow legal pad to-do list. At, by the way, for those of you that only ever listen to the show on radio.com slash home or on the radio.com app, Dave really likes showing newspaper covers to the camera. <laughs> like he really likes it. Like I don't think we've had a show yet where Dave hasn't gone. And that's why hope is the big thing for the New York Times. So whatever, right? But I don't have newspapers, so I can just show you my to-do list. But can you imagine how incredible Antonio Brown's to-do list is? It's like, number one, threaten and intimidate alleged victim number two. Number two, enroll in online classes at Central Michigan. Number three, set alarm on phone for Sunday morning Twitter tirade at Robert Kraft and Big Ben. Number four. Yeah, I mean, like his to-do list must be fascinating. He must have the best to-do list I've ever seen. Well, it gives you a pretty good glimpse at his to-do list when you look at the classes he's en enrolled for online at Central Michigan. Number one is intro to management. That's a pretty good one. He managed to blow up three NFL relationships within one year. Management would be a good idea. Second, technical writing. Third, death and dying. Damn, that got grim. And finally, racism and inequality. He feels like the league is not being fair with him. The grievance will be filed against the Patriots. Would imagine those tweets aimed at Bob Kraft will spell certain doom for AB. But here's where these stories are related. And it's that I applaud Tom Brady for tweeting the way he did about the officiating. And if he had that kind of impact, that is awesome. But given so many opportunities to simply stand up and be a husband, be a father, be a man in this community, and say that you take the accusations against Antonio Brown seriously, and that he does not belong to be on this team, at least not right now, he punts every time. The quarterback becomes a punter, and I don't know what the hell he was trying to say here on WEI when asked about that. Yeah, so there's almost like it's it's almost a different kind of workplace because because of that team element, and so there's there's kind of a disappointment. There can be a disappointment, like I wish this had this particular thing had worked out or or what have you, because of the way you feel about the the individual, the person. Sure, and I think there's just and again, it's not this situation; it's every situation. There's yeah. a lot of forces at work that are working against that. There's a lot of things that are that happen that work against that because it's profitable because there's you know there's other there's other forces at work so you try to I try to combat them by just caring more by you know giving more to try to combat other things that maybe trying to pull apart our team our community our family you know because it's unfortunately that's the the way that, you know, the, the world has, um, you know, probably always been, but it's, a you know, I guess in some ways I've always had a bit naive 
ness about me, a naivete about people, um, and I believe in goodness, and I believe in the good in people and good intentions. Um, So, yeah. Um, That's just as far as I'm playing and part of a team, as far as I'm a part of a community, um, I'm going to do the best I can do, and, um, you know, I'm just going to keep believing in people and joy and love and and you know that's that's what works for me i'm very thankful tom brady has a relationship with weei we on occasion get to hear some very insightful thoughts from the most interesting athlete of our time i don't know what the hell he just said there ross but is he defending antonio brown is he saying the world is trying to pull them apart or failing to acknowledge that antonio brown did all of this to himself and to other people I think he is. Uh, I think he is talking about what he be, he perceives to be a social media mob um, that gets rolling on certain situations, and I think maybe he has more information about Antonio Brown's situation than we do, and that he wants to try to be positive and help him as opposed to be negative. But I, you know. We're trying to read a guy's mind at this point, but that's kind of what I what I took from it was perhaps he's got to know Antonio Brown over those ten amazing days and nights, and uh, maybe he knows more about the situation than I do. That's about all I can all I can gather from that, or give him the benefit of the doubt on. Yeah, Bill Belichick put him in a very weird spot signing Antonio Brown sticking by him despite all the allegations. Um, We're not just trying to read a man's mind. We're trying to decipher his own English. And that's what's hard sometimes about being Brady, about being afraid to actually say anything that will get picked up by every newspaper and website and radio show and podcast like ours. Ahead, we're going to switch over to that Monday night football game and talk about the Chicago side with Dan Bernstein from 670. The score in Chicago is all well now with Mitchell Trubisky. One game against the lowly Redskins. Is he suddenly the guy that they drafted? Or is there still a long way to go? And what about the Chicago Cubs? Are they just a mess? Is Joe Madden heading out of town? We'll talk to Mr. Bernstein in just a bit. But first, hiring can be a challenge. As Quotable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered, Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job, so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones, and that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is so effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is, without a doubt, the smartest way to hire. Smartest way to win in this football league is to hire a guy like Khalil Mack. 
I mean, listen to this number. In primetime games, six of them, Khalil Mack has six sacks and seven forced fumbles, more than one forced fumble per primetime game. Incredible performance by Khalil Mack on Monday night. Let's talk about it with Dan Bernstein, 670 the score in Chicago. Dan, good to see you. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you Dan, for being good here. To see so, you. Yeah, go ahead. Go Dave. ahead, Ross. Go ahead. Start I us off. I was going to say, uh, good to see you, Dan. Uh, they won last night. They won convincingly. Is everybody happy? Is all well? Are, are the Bears back in your mind now? I think the question is whether or not they're back in their mind. They've been carrying themselves very confidently, even after the debacle in the opener and then escaping Denver by avoiding a loss. I think the question would have been how serious a crisis they would have been in had they not taken care of business against a clearly inferior opponent. They're able to remain in the position of contender in their own mind. And I think people here are waiting to see if the offense can finally solidify against tougher competition next week. All right, so let's talk about Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, No touchdown passes those first two games, then suddenly three in the first half. Um, Do we feel, how much better do we feel about Trubisky? I mean, only six incompletions on the night. Some of them are being examined this morning and don't look so good, but how much better do you feel about the quarterback today? That's one of those performances, I think, where people on different sides of Mitchell Trubisky opinion can see what they want to see. He was good. I mean, the numbers are, are terrific, and he got the ball in the end zone. It was better than it had been. But, boy, that first quarter was rough, and even some of the completions were not necessarily accurate passes. We kind of get lost in the weeds statistically here. His numbers were great, but I think if you want to ask completely valid, fair questions about his ball placement, about what he sees and doesn't see, that's not going to be put to rest until we get a much larger body of work in critical moments against better teams. I mean, Dan, at this point, Do you feel like there's still a lot to learn about Trubisky? Or do you feel like we kind of know what he's going to be, which is never going to be a top 10 quarterback, probably be somewhere in the 14 to 20 range, and then just decide whether or not that's good enough or whether or not you can get somebody better? Or do you still give him the benefit of the doubt that he can be better than that? I think with every game, the range of possibilities changes a little bit. I don't think really good quarterback is off the table. I do think after three seasons and, what, 31 starts and 25 years old, if you look at the number of young quarterbacks in this league who are succeeding, I think our hope for greatness is diminishing. That doesn't mean that there are other areas on that pie chart that are expanding. Maybe our awareness of likelihood of being good is okay. Now, that's a different question from should they have given away assets to trade up in the draft to take him number two overall. In the whole Mitch Trubisky referendum, there are different questions. If the Bears think they probably have a good quarterback that might be okay to win a Super Bowl, in the window of this great defense. I feel like the evaluation of Trubisky this morning is the evaluation of the head coach, Matt Nagy, this morning. Uh, Better, 
but we're still not in love with the game plan. Do you like the offense in terms of the play calling that Maggie is doing, the involvement of David Montgomery that a lot of people thought would be a star in his rookie season? I think we have a small sample size. And as you know, in this league, each game is siloed for the game plan against that specific opponent, against specific personnel. I think once we get into the meat of the divisional schedule, we'll get a little better understanding of punch and counterpunch that come from some of these coaches. It has taken an adjustment for those of us who had been used to a different kind of football to now be experiencing this sort of lateral movement, side to side, dink and dunk, Andy Reid idea. Sometimes the half field reads, the layered concepts, it can work. It can work if everybody is on schedule. It can work if they avoid pre-snap penalties, if they can avoid some of the missed blocks that they still had. So I'm encouraged. I, I like the way that they got out of the huddle early and some of the no-huddle stuff, allowing Mitchell Trubisky to get a look, allowing Matt Nagy specifically to get a look. And I think as that relationship continues to grow, they'll know where they want to be on the accelerator to try to make the defense show its hand. Yeah, and I guess from my perspective, Dan, you know, looking at how Trubisky plays, the fact that Nagy was able to get 12 wins last year and even has him 2-1 and one this year, I, I think says a lot, even though they have had that dominant defense. Let's talk about that. You've been around uh, a lot of really good defenses in Chicago, obviously, and a lot of really good defensive players. Where does this unit stack up? in general, and where does Khalil Mack stack up in particular? Mack is an alien. I, there are, there's a small handful of players that I've ever seen that elicit the kind of responses from other NFL players, from other star NFL players like Khalil Mack does. And the three that I've seen in Chicago who, for whom that would apply would be Brian Urlacher, Julius Peppers, and Mac, those are the three who are, are are next level. And when you've got other guys in the NFL watching, and you see on Twitter, you see in these national games, some you see the blue check marks of guys who play in the league who are reduced to being you know little kids. Mac sometimes looks like a a, a Madden glitch. He looks like a, a turbo mode in in one of the old NFL arcade games. It's not supposed to be like that, and he makes it like that over and over and over again. So it, it's and that's what underpins the Mitchell Trubisky discussion, whether we talk about it or not. That underpins everything. It's he's here, an all-time great pass rusher, is in his prime, snatching souls and wrecking offenses. You cannot allow inadequate offense to undo where that can go. Snatching souls. That is solid. I love this headline on the Tribune this morning. Khalil freaking Mack, your three-word review on the Bears win over the Redskins. Are you still in disbelief that that was a guy John Gruden cut loose, allowed him to leave town? We're all here for the memes, aren't we? Because that is, anytime he does yeah. something, the timeline is all the Chucky stuff and all of the gifts of yeah. Gruden just kind of smiling that smirk and nodding his head. And it appears to be a, a thing in, in Oakland where each year he gets rid of his best player somehow. It's a, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off. <laughs> <laughs> Dodgeball so, reference. I love it. I love it. We got a couple good movie references this morning. So, so Dan, 
I'm not a big baseball guy, and I don't really make many bones about it. Perhaps it's because it was my worst sport when I was growing up. I was uh, much better at football and basketball. Dave likes baseball, but I want to steal his thunder because, I don't know, I'm kind of that (laughs) kind of guy. And I want to ask you the baseball question. What happened to the Cubs? They broke. They, this is a continuation of what happened to them last season. And it's almost felt like these two years together have existed as some kind of nightmare entity where th- the last few games, this four-game sweep at the hands of the Cardinals, somehow has been a distillation of everything that's gone wrong, a checklist of bad bullpen dumb base running, bad defense, and inability to get a hit with runners in scoring position. They loved this core, and they built and spent and spent and tried to bolster this core for so long. And some of the investment in them personally, professionally, just never paid off. A lot of these young guys just never got good enough. And I think now the oncoming reckoning is going to be a, uh, a reevaluation of how they look at some of these young players, how they look at the way they feel about their draft picks and what's next in a game that is changing amazingly rapidly. All right, so the follow-up to that is I might not be a big baseball guy, but I am a big Pennsylvania guy. And I like Joe Madden. I like him a lot. He's from Hazleton. I'm from Reading. My best friend's from Hazleton. I like Joe Madden. Uh, And for a lot of different reasons. I think he's unique and different. He served his country by playing high school football. He's a guy that had success in Tampa. He gave the Cubs a World Series. And yet it appears that they're going to fire him, let him go, whatever the case might be. Is that a mistake, Dan? Or is that the right move? And can you explain to me what's going on here? It seems bizarre to me that the manager that got the Cubs a World Series, did he never even get a new contract after that? No, this is the end of his five-year deal. And I I think it would be improper to look at any kind of departure here or the end of this as blame. I don't think the front office is blaming Joe Madden or saying this is your fault that it's not working. I do think something has run its course here. And there always has been a little bit of tension between the way Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer have wanted these players to approach their jobs and the essence of Joe. Joe is a good manager and Joe will continue to be a good manager. I think it's also probably reductive to say that he brought a World Series. Yes, he he did a remarkable job they did win the World Series. However, some of the most intense criticism of Madden as a tactician was occurring in the World Series, in that Game 7 specifically. So in in an interesting twist, where everyone said, look, the guy's going to win a World Series and he'll be the toast of the town forever, the way people consume sports and the way people criticize decisions in real time is very different now. And I think the, the scrutiny that he underwent because of that game seven and because of some of the decisions that were made never really went away. And I think Joe's going to do just fine. He is a great manager over the 162. There are questions about his tactics. And I'll also say this, the marriage between a front office that is urging for intensity and urging for 
the 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 slogan October starts in March. That doesn't quite work with a manager who says, "Hey, man, meatloaf, two out of three ain't bad." Don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure. Everything's probably fine. He's laid back. He's got a different vibe. And I think this front office wants more of a more of a proxy for their way of approaching the game. Fascinating game, right? Dave Dombrowski out of a job uh, after winning a World Series a year ago. Hey, man, what have you done for me lately? Last question. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had the choice to be at a crucial game at Wrigley, or a divisional game at Soldier. What's a better atmosphere? I I covered the NFL for years. I have not been back to an NFL game since I left the Bears beat. I have no interest in attending an NFL game because the quality of product on television, the size of the television, the dif- the difference between the comfort of watching an NFL game at home and going there and what that experience is like, that's just a big television studio now and I am happy to be home. Also, I think the difference is I can walk to Wrigley Field from from my house and, and walk right home. There's a convenience factor there that uh, is probably times 100. But I, I have no interest ever in attending another NFL game in person. I could not agree with you more. I have turned down NFL invitations almost every week because the thought of missing all the games, of taking six hours, getting stuck in that parking lot. I it's your whole day. Fault. It's your whole day. It's like, a I, I grew, whole day. I grew, up, I grew up. We had season tickets to the Bears growing yeah. up. It, it was our Sunday every Sunday for some god-awful Bears teams. Unwatchable. Peyton right, Peyton yep. left, Peyton up the middle, punt over and over and over again. It starts at 6 a.m. It ends at 8 p.m. I don't know who has time to do that anymore. And the bathroom lines are still long. I would say I will, I'll, I'll, I'll pledge this. I'll go on the record with this. If you can helicopter me in and put me in a suite and <laughs> helicopter me back, I'm in. You heard that, Bears. All you got to do to get Bern- Dan Bernstein to your game is chopper him in, chopper him out, put him in a suite. I'm with you. Send me to a baseball game, even though it's boring. I know, Tucker. It's a great atmosphere. You get some beers and some dogs and have a good time with your kids. Dan Bernstein, good stuff. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for being here. 670, the score in Chicago. Agree with that take. All right, so when we come back, we'll talk a little more about baseball. This is Ross Tucker's lucky day, man. Baseball all Hey, can I say hours. something? Can I, can I say, uh, let me say one thing, okay? Just think yeah. about the dichotomy between those two sports real quick, all right? Yep. Neither one of you guys wants to go to an NFL game because nope. you don't want to miss a second of watching the games on TV. What's cool about going to a baseball game is drinking beers and hot dogs and being out in the sun and talking to your family and not actually watching the field. I mean, think about that. You think about that. You don't want to go to an NFL game because you got to be locked in and watch every second of it on television. What we like about going to a baseball game is you don't have to watch. You don't have to watch the field or even care. Oh, home run. Cool. Give me a beer. I mean, it is, it is, think about that. That is bad for baseball. I'm talking to Millar about that next. 
it is bad for baseball. And it's even worse that you've got a young star in the game saying watching it is boring. He loves playing it, but he refuses to watch it. We're going to talk to Millar, Kevin Millar from the MLB Network from Intentional Talk after a real quick break here on Home and Home. We're back on a Tuesday edition of Home and Home. The Cubs are a hot mess. Baseball is boring, and the Rays can't draw anybody despite the fact that they are headed to the postseason. Let's talk about all of that with our friend Kevin Millar from the MLB Network, the host of Intentional Talk. Kevin, it's Dave Briggs. It is Ross Tucker. I know you are about to head out on the golf course, so let me start you there. How many (laughs) beers do you consume on average during an 18-hole round? You, you know what's funny? I'm a fake drinker. I get a, I get a nice Gosh. reputation on this on this on, on this crown and Jack and the whole 2004 Red Sox. But I'm I, I'll be honest with you. A guy like Josh Beckett, John Lackey, they're going to have about 38 beers. John Lester, 42 beers. Kevin Millar is going to have one fake vodka. <laughs> Maybe vodka fresca, I'll have one. And the second one, I'll probably pour out when they're not looking. But I'm not a big, huge drinker on the course because I'm trying to get in their checkbooks because they've made so much money in this game playing 30, 30 times a year. I mean, 30 times a year the starting pitchers make, and it seems like they make a million dollars to start. So that's what I'm trying to focus on. You know, it's funny, Kevin, that you say that because uh, <laughs> last time I was out in L.A., I met up with a buddy of mine who's a member at Bel Air Country Club out there. Uh, wow. he's a college buddy. Yeah, he's a college buddy. And he was doing shots every two holes of tequila with these guys he was with. <laughs> and he has made it. He has made it. He didn't know these guys. They just were playing together and whatever. But he has figured out he is much better than other people at playing golf when they're absolutely hammered. He drinks <laughs> like a fish. He does tequila shot. I'm like, dude, why? Because I, I wanted to just have dinner with him after the round. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a couple thousand dollars from these guys. Watch this. And those guys, they could barely even play. But he's a former college football player. So they, they don't want to be the guy that's not doing the shots with him. He obliterated them. That was his whole technique. That was his whole strategy. Is just he's a better drunk golfer than they are. Yeah, you know what's funny is that, that there's something to that, but the problem you run into now, be careful, tell them, you're going to run into the guy that has tremendous swing lube. So out of nowhere, this guy turns into like a 15, and next thing you know, a few beers later, he's a two. So you have those guys also you got to guard against, but you got to know who you're going against. When you have the rich pitchers like John Lackey or Lester or, 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 or Beckett, and you go out there and you're already behind the eight ball because they hit the ball 500 yards but you just got to get him a few cocktails and then 35 beers later, you got a chance. Yeah, man. Beckett could drink some beers. I've been at the bars with that guy. My, my <laughs> strategy chicken. is simple. And chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I go Bloody Mary <laughs> on the front. I go transfusion on the back. I'm a two drink oh, guy. Yeah. And, and that keeps yeah. me right along that swing lube line. Uh, we do yeah, want to yeah, talk yeah. a little bit of baseball though today. Um, Tim Anderson, White Sox star, slugger hits 334, 18 home runs. He's got a little swagger to him, does the bat flip. He told Bleacher Report yesterday he loves to play, but man, is baseball boring to watch. He says, I love to play it, but I could never watch it. He wants baseball to embrace more of the swagger, more of the bat flip, more of the unconventional behavior. Do you find baseball boring, and do they need to do something to spice it up? 
I don't know what they need to do. I don't know how they do it. Uh, we, we, you know, the, the WBC is so exciting. And so people take that and want to take it and say, how do we implement this into the big league side of things? It's hard when you're playing for your country. There's a difference when you're playing for a city. So there's all these, these variables that kind of come into play. But the bottom line is baseball is a boring spectator sport unless you're a fan of the game. See, we can't compare it to Sunday football. Because those are events. Those are 16 games. You have eight home games. They're events. All of us kind of were tailgating. We're getting the burgers going. We got Saturday. We're going to show up. So we get compared to other sports. Baseball's methodical. Baseball's 162 games. Baseball's 30 games in spring training. Baseball's another 20 some odd games, you know, in the postseason or whatever number of wins it is. The, the, the point I'm trying to make is that. You can change it, but doing backflips and cartwheels and handstands and 14 necklaces and jerseys that are unbuttoned. And, you know, we're showing all this personality, which is great. We adopt, uh, we adapt to the times we're in. But, but how's that still the pitching coach walking out in the fourth inning after the guy walked three? What are you going to do a cartwheel out there to the pitcher's mound? So it doesn't change the game. The game, the game of baseball is wonderful. But I think sometimes we've lost the game of baseball, like competing across the lines, right? Like that's why we love the postseason. That's why we love the playoffs because it's played the way it's supposed to be played, not for the individual numbers, not for the stats, not for the wins and the home runs and the average. You're playing the game to win. This wild card game that will be coming up here in the next week is going to be played to win. You're going to have bunts. You're going to have hit and runs. You're going to have steals. You're going to have great pitching. But that that because if you lose, you go home. That's not the way the game's played the entire year from April to, to September because you can lose four in a row and then win 17 of your next 20. So what Tim Anderson is saying, yeah, he's got a point, and they're trying to you know limit the mound visits, right? Limit the situations going on, the catcher and the signs, and oh, my goodness gracious, the guy's on second base. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the game's the game. And I think that there's a fine line of having fun and a fine line of showing disrespect to your opponent, to the other clubhouse, to the other dugout. Now, what is that? I'm not the I'm not the rule monitor, but there is that fine line. You can do whatever you want. And Tim Anderson, we saw it the first week of the season in, in KC. Hey, go ahead, backflip, backflip, whatever you want. But there is a reaction to every reaction or whatever that lingo is. Kevin, I, uh, so a couple of things. Number one. People would be surprised how many NFL players that I played with that didn't really like watching football on TV, which is surprising because you think everybody likes watching football on TV. I know Matt Light never watched the Super Bowl till he played in it. He never watched other NFL games other than when he was working. I mean, there, there's more guys like that than I think you realize. They just they'd rather be watching yeah. a movie or a comedy or whatever. I I, I wonder though, Kevin. The difference between regular season baseball and postseason is so stark. What do you think about cutting back the regular season and expanding the postseason? Because personally, I think that this one-game wildcard thing is a joke anyway. I mean, you don't really get a chance to see which one of those two teams is better. If you're going to do it, why not give them at least a a three- or a five-game series and let's cut down on the regular season, which we all know is boring, and expand the postseason. Feel like hockey playoffs go for like three months. Let's make it more like that. Yeah, it, 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 there's so many different opinions, but I'm going to tell you, 
If you don't want to play in the wild card game, then play better. There's got to be an advantage for winning the division. You can't just play tickle bunny and say, hey, yeah, we'll give you a three or five game series because you finished, you know, five games above 500 and squeaked in. Like it, 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 there's so many moving. Do we want to, you know, extra inning games? Do we put a guy on second base with two outs because games go so long? Do we want to shorten the schedule down to 158 or 142 or whatever that number would be? Then you start changing, you know, Hall of Fame and numbers and everything that starts becoming important to some players. I wasn't a good enough player for it to even matter, so I didn't care. But listen, baseball's baseball. Tim Anderson might not like to watch baseball. There's a ton that do. No more Garcia Parr played many years up there in Boston. Tremendous player. I was a teammate with no more, didn't want to watch baseball, didn't like baseball, was just really good at it and would rather put on, you know, soccer. He, at that point, him and Mia Hamm were started, you know, dating or whatever it was. And it didn't make sense to me because I've, I've lived and ate and drank baseball. See, so from my point of view, in my opinion, I love the game and I love everything about what the game brings. It, it blesses a lot of guys. Guys make a ton of money. Be thankful for that game. Fans that love their city and in and, and Boston and Los Angeles and Seattle or wherever it is, like they're fans of the sport. Now, how do we make this more exciting? How do we make kids get into it? Well, you're not right now. There's so many video games and things are going on and the world's changing and devices. You got five-year-olds walking around with iPads and Apple. Last night, I'm trying to do homework with my kids. The Wi-Fi goes down. You can't even do homework now. Everything's done <laughs> on a computer. I'm like, well, what if you can't afford Wi-Fi? How do you do homework? How do you how do you learn in this world? Because you everything's on a device. So the the, the, the the times have changed. I don't know if baseball needs to be like revamped. I think it's the game. You know, we watch the NBA because you like the NBA, you like the Lakers, you like the Celtics, you watch the Patriots, you like the Bears or whoever. You, you, that's just part of it. And not it's not going to be for everybody. But I don't know how you make baseball uh, an up tempo sport like a hockey playoffs or the NBA finals or on, a, on an everyday basis. I just don't see it. Well, there are certain cities they're doing just fine, and there are others like Tampa Bay. That is an absolute disaster. Uh, you played there, what was it, 15, 16 times a year during your Boston career. I went down there a number of times. I remember being down there in the playoffs, and it was an empty stadium. You could yell across the entire place and get the attention of a center fielder or of a, or a fan in center field. Rob Bradford from WEEI, you know Rob, tweeted this image yes. of Tampa yesterday, an empty stadium for a team that appears to be head of the postseason. Again, certain teams are drawing. This team is an absolute mess. Does Tampa deserve to have a professional baseball team? Uh, we hear you. Kev? Hello? I hear you. Ross Tucker, do you hear me? I hear you both. Mala, are you there? Mala, get your head out of your ass. Are you there? I'm right here now. Evidently I met. got you guys. Oh, there he is. Where'd you go, guys? <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what happened. A little glitch there. Perhaps the Tampa Bay Rays didn't like my line of questioning. Do, does the city of Tampa deserve to have a baseball team, professional baseball team, the way they support it? It's it's hard. It's uh, you know my my opinion. I would I would try to get to a city like I played for the Marlins for many years. Right. It's hard when you in Florida. There's a lot of uh, you know Yankee fans that come down for the winter, and then you got a lot of the Mets fans, and you got Chicago and all the bad weather places. So you've never. I mean, you know, we what, what did we start? Ninety three was the inaugural season of the Florida Marlins. It's hard when the, when we played the Mets and the Cubs, we were sold out. 
when you're playing the, you know, Montreal Expos back in the day, we had 7,500 people in Pro Player Stadium. It looked like we had 12. Tampa's a lot of the same things. They've won 90 games for a lot of years. They've had from James Shields and David Prices, and they've had great teams come through there. And it, it's hard to support that market. So that is what it is. Now, whether you want to pick up a move to Las Vegas, come on down here to Austin, Texas, go to North Carolina, where teams are dying for teams, maybe there is another expansion. I don't know what the answer is that, but I know that one thing. Tampa's too good to sit over there and draw, you know, 17,000 people because they've been an organization for since I've been playing in the league that they've been really, really good. And they don't get a lot of the notoriety because they're in the Red Sox and the Yankees division. But you look back from Madden's years and now what Kevin Cash has done and now they're battling for another playoff spot. They deserve better. Kevin, you got to tell me the deal with uh, Chris Bryant and the bases and, and my guy Scott Boris isn't happy. What what's What's the deal with that? Well, uh, meaning, meaning what? What are you talking about? I guess the, so base, was, uh, was, the base was slippery. Boris is mad because uh, Brian got hurt because uh, the base was slippery yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that's stuff that I just, you know what? That's stuff that you just, you just tune out because in, in those situations, listen, rain, mist, mildew, players get hurt, slip. The last thing that we're going to, uh, you know, worry about is that kind of, uh, it's an opinion coming from an agent, right, uh, that a client get hurt, got hurt. There's money on the line. He's going to be a free agent. What's he going to be worth? He already turned down X, Y, Z. It, there's all of this stuff that goes in. But, yeah, I don't, you know, hey, injuries happen and bases, and they've been like that for years. All right, lastly, what about that? the Chicago Cubs as an organization? What they need to do to, to right the ship is firing Joe Madden going to provide any answers for them? It's just a new voice. I don't know if firing Joe Madden's answer. I know that his salary, you know, which he makes six million bucks, and he's won a World Series in 2016. And so this team has not played well the last couple of years. And you know, big market teams, we see it all the time. People move on. And so I don't know what the answer is. I don't know who takes a spot. I don't know if he's not going to come back or come back. But Joe Madden's done a great job there. Let's not forget about that. Sometimes we have short-term memories. He broke a curse, and they've had some nice years. All right, Kev, head out there on that golf course. I guess it's one one drink or one fake drink? No drinks today because we work. But no. on weekends, there's some fake drinks. Fake <laughs> drinks. <laughs> All right, my friend. Best of luck to you on the course today. Thanks for joining us. Hey, boys, thanks for having me. He's All living right, so a good Ross, life, man. He He's does, living man. a good life. He's, we, I think we, he did that. I think he talked to us on his phone on Skype from the locker room at yeah. the country club and was about to go right out on the course. He is living his best life. Yeah, but you hustle too damn much. I mean, do you have a little Millar envy in that he doesn't hustle nearly as hard as you? I mean, he's on television and on podcasts and things of that nature, but do you think you ought to hustle a little less? So everything I do, I love. Like I, I don't like golf. I don't play because of my back. I wouldn't play golf anyway. So like, out of everything I could do today, the thing I would want to do the most is go to a football game or talk about football like I'm doing with you or on my podcast or whatever. Like I, I'm doing. I'm living my best life now. Are there times where I would like to sleep a little bit more? Yeah, uh, that doesn't happen in the off season. It's just four months during football season. But am I going to turn down the chance to go to a game 
and get paid to go to a game on Saturday? No, I'm not. Sunday? No, I'm not. Monday night? Absolutely. No, I'm not. I am living the dream, dude. So Kevin Millar can go out there and fake drink, which is un-American, by the way. And he can go (laughs) fake drink and play golf and be bored out of his mind. I'll talk football and drink both my iced tea and my water double-barreled. Double barreled, baby. That's actually that's actually <laughs> gross. That actually was not good. Wait, that was iced tea and what? what water. Was the combo? Water. Why would that was gross? That seemed like a nice combination. Huh. No, nah, I just All kind right. of the way I watch, watch, watch. The way I went like double fang. By the way, uh, so I don't drink coffee, okay? I drink right. iced tea. But I don't want to, like, go overboard with the Diet Snapple, even though it's no calories. Although, Diet Snapple, if you want to be a sponsor of the show, I'd be happy to go overboard. I'll get get crazy Snapple drunk on the show if you want to sponsor Home and Home, (laughs) a Radio.com Sports original. But because they're not a sponsor yet, I – two things, Dave Briggs. One is I'm trying to be somewhat – conscious of my health so not only is it the diet snapple for zero calories but three quarters of this is just plain brewed black tea what's like the healthy black tea that you can get at the stores i forget the name brand i'll I'll get it during the break but three quarters of it is that but i need to have some sweetness i need to have some sugar so like a quarter of it is a little bit of diet Snapple. So that gives me my caffeine and just the right flavor. I don't like a whole thing of diet Snapple. That's too strong for my taste buds. Same with Gatorade. Like if I'm ever going to have Gatorade, I want three quarters water and just a quarter Gatorade. The whole Gatorade is like too sugary and too strong for me. I know this is really important and think something you should know. But guess what? Sometime I'm going to come to the Briggs Estate in Westport, <laughs> and your wife's going to ask me what I want to drink, and you're going to know, honey. He likes subtle flavors. He's got very sensitive, very sensitive taste buds, especially when it comes. He likes subtle flavors, babe. Let's water down whatever we give him. I even at times because because it's so important to me to yeah. have. It's so important to me to have a beer cold. This is sacrilegious for some people, but I'll put ice in my beers sometimes because whatever I lose in it being a little watered down, it yeah. makes up for it by it being crazy ice cold. So, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm like this. People should have to pay for home and home. I'm like dispensing free life hacks, free life advice on the regular. Okay, I, I, I'm getting paid for this. You're getting paid for this. We should make more money. Everybody listening should have to pay for these pearls of wisdom. Wait, you're getting Boom. paid for this? Nobody told me. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I knew something was going on here. I tell you, only beverages get you on a longer rant than football <laughs> or Taylor Swift. Beverage rants are your freaking signature, man. And I should have seen it coming. I did that. I take the blame for that. But I know more about your beverage behavior than any man ought to ever. Wait, I forget. I forget. How did that even start? How did that, that one even start? Did I you ask don't me about know. drinking while I golf or something? 
You took it there. Yeah, you started with golf and then went into beverages and then Snapple. No, you said something to me about, no, you said Malar, (laughs) you said Mala is living his best life and I'm not. And I countered with, oh, yes, I am. I don't fake drink. I iced tea it up on the show. Radio.com slash home. Home and home on the radio.com app. At Ross Tucker NFL. At RDC Home and Home. He's at Dave Briggs TV. By the way, I've noticed you don't retweet the show stuff nearly as much as I do. I don't multitask. You're not as invested in this as I am. I've noticed that too. I don't multitask as well as you do. I'm always looking at my (laughs) notes. I'm always looking ahead so I know what's coming up on this program. Because that's my job here. So coming up next on WEI after another brilliant beverage rant, we will hear from Cowboys owner Jerry Jones on the Cowboys' outstanding start and Dak Prescott just shredding opposing defenses. We will also talk about a Hall of Fame college basketball national championship winning coach who is in some serious trouble. Could Bill Self be suspended for a year could KU be put on probation for several years? Big breaking news out of the NCAA straight ahead after a quick break right here on Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 